Hi, I'm Molly Anders. And I'm Ella Torrance, and you're listening to Dig Deeper, a deep dive into the psychological explanations of social experiences, everyday struggles, and philosophical perspectives. For this week's episode, we'll be talking about memory, how we remember, and why memory is important. So before we get started, we have a quick message from our sponsors. First, we have Elm Coffee Roasters. Elm Coffee Roasters open in Pioneer Square in South Lake Union for takeout and soon indoor seating. Order coffee and more at elmcoffeeroasters.com. If you're looking for a place to live in the fall with student-friendly amenities, spectacular views, and that's walking distance to campus, check out the M Seattle. They're the only student-living high-rise near UW, and they've recently dropped their rates on all their floor plans. Visit themseattle.com for more info. So this week we are making an episode on memory because I personally think it is fascinating because if you really think about it, memory makes us who we are. By this, I'm kind of referring to um, one of Freud's theories of personality, which is that our personality is almost entirely rooted in one's memory. Basically, he claimed that who you are now completely depends on what you remember from your past. That's quite a kind of intense claim to make, but it does make a lot of sense if you think about the way that you act within society, I feel like is kind of all just a result of your interpretation of what's happened to you in the past and like what works and what doesn't work. And yeah, I guess it is kind of all about memory. Um, So personality can be defined as a person's characteristic patterns of behavior, thinking, and feeling. So Freud basically defines three levels of awareness within his theory of personality. So one would be your consciousness, which is the thoughts on your mind right now. So whatever a person's aware of at a given moment, like your waking memory. And then there's your pre-conscious, which contains all of your memories and experiences that you're not consciously thinking about, like your long-term memory. And then there's your unconscious, which is the motivating force of behavior that we're not aware of. So this is very Freud. (laughs) It's like the repressed memories. And then with that comes the Freudian slip, which is forgetting something, like calling someone the wrong name. Kind of the most famous example is like calling a teacher mom. And basically, Freud defines it as like things that seem accidental but are unconsciously on purpose. That's very Freud. He would <laughs> he would definitely blame everything on the subconscious. Yeah. So I guess before we really dive into memory, it's important to know how memory works. So how you are able to remember things is in three steps basically so there's the encoding step your storage and then the retrieval so the encoding is basically information that is coded and sent to the brain so learning something for the first time when you learn new information it gets encoded in your brain and then it goes to storage so the storage is a place where you can retain that encoded information Within the storage, there's the long-term memory, the sensory memory, the short-term memory, which we can, we'll all cover a, a little bit later. But this is just putting that new information into your memory. <laughs> and then there's the retrieval, which is where stored information is recovered from memory. So to learn something, to store something, and to remember something is all this three-step process, basically. And then when your consolidation of these memories are interrupted, your memory is lost. Yeah. 
if you learn information and like while it's in the encoding process it gets interrupted that memory is lost forever that's why you don't remember a lot of things even if you hear them or something because like that process gets interrupted or like putting it into storage gets interrupted so it's not put into storage and you forget about it yeah so let's go over the three places that memories are stored which would be your sensory memory your short-term memory and then your long-term memory So your sensory memory holds all the information that enters the senses for a short time while we select what's important. So this is things like visual, auditory, and tactile sensations. And this explains why sometimes you ask someone what they said and then you realize you actually heard them. So sensory memory has a large capacity, meaning that one can intake many things at once, but these memories fade pretty quickly. You're like first memory, like you you remember how something feels and you remember how something sounds and like blah, blah, blah. but it's not necessarily like an important integration into your memory that's interesting because it so explains how things are kind of triggered based on even like a smell i feel like sometimes when you smell something it just kind of makes me feel an emotion that i don't i, I don't know if that makes if that yeah. would be the same thing but it just kind of brings up something right away that you don't super understand the connection because it's not in any of your other memory storages maybe it's just like senses and like everything depends on senses like smell and there's everything so tactile um okay and then there is short-term memory which is also known as working memory and this is a very small capacity if you don't do something intentionally to remember that thing whatever that thing is will only stay in your short-term memory for a very short time so there's all these like tips and tricks of how to maintain these memories so something is repeating that information over and over again to keep it from fading while in the short-term memory people say that the more times you repeat it the more likely it is to transfer into um, long-term memory but the problem with this one is that it's really easy to like mix things up let's say someone tells me a number sequence to remember and I'm like okay I have to remember 432 432 432 432 but then there's so many factors that I could accidentally go like 424 or something or like mess it up somehow so that's why that's not the best way to retrieve it the best way to to retrieve it that people say sorry this is like long-winded is to relate that information to something that's already stored in your long-term memory So this allows you to make a connection to your long-term memory. So you have something to like kind of hold on to and you don't only remember it, but you understand it and you understand why you're remembering it. And this is far more effective than the other version, but it is also limited to one's current knowledge. So I guess an example of this rehearsal method would be how I remember the state capital to Arkansas because Arkansas's state capital is Little Rock and I remembered Little Rock because rocks are like potatoes and you put the Arkansas on the little potato rock and that's like (laughs) a really absurd way to remember that Little Rock is Arkansas but I will always remember that and I will never forget it because of how absurd it is. Well now I'll never forget it either. Thanks Molly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then you also have beyond short-term memory then there's the long-term memory which is kind of just a representation of all the things that a person knows and it has an unlimited capacity and things can be stored for your whole life so we're not always conscious of the things in long-term memory until they're brought back to your short-term memory 
Yeah. Within memories itself, there's a bunch of different kinds. There's your, like, implicit memories, which is basic tasks of, like, how to ride a bike or how to swim. And then there's, like, your semantic memories, which is facts and dates and numbers and words and, like, how you remember that... George Washington was the first president of the United States. And then there's like your episodic memories, which are your personal memories and how you remember your family members and your childhood memories. So there's just so much to memories that we don't even think of. Would you say, I don't know how accurate this is, but would you say that different people have different abilities within how well they remember different kinds of memories? You know how some people say that they don't remember names, but they remember faces, or they don't remember faces, but they remember names? Like, would you say that that, the different kinds of memories that you remember just varies between person to person? Yeah, I I bet so. Like, I, I don't, like, know this for a fact, but my best hypothesis that I can give you <laughs> is that everyone has all of those capabilities like everyone remembers all of those things but maybe some people's are stronger because of like the priorities that they hold you know if you implicitly like hold a higher standards like people's faces then like maybe you'll remember people's faces more and then in terms even this is kind of a stretch but thinking about the different things that different people are like good at and I think I kind of I don't know, maybe struggle more with like semantic memories because it seems, and maybe that also relates to the short term versus long term memory thing. Like it feels like there's nothing to like relate it to anything else almost. And so, like I remember when in high school when everyone was like trying to remember pi or something to learn as many digits of pi as they could, it just felt kind of pointless to me because they were just numbers and there was no. I don't know like there was no way to remember it I guess it was just like semantic memories it didn't have any sort of personal connection to me which made it feel weird and irrelevant yeah yeah that's just like not a priority that I I need like I don't really need to hold pie but then also like like I did a lot of theater in my life right and so there was times where when I was memorizing like thousands of lines you know and that might seem pretty pointless like why why would I like put myself through that and like dialogue that's not even mine and that I'll forget after the show or something but to me that was really important even though I can't really memorize numbers that well like I can memorize dialogue really well because I've trained my brain to be able to easily memorize dialogue Mm, that makes sense how would you say like what are your strategies for remembering lines definitely repetition and putting it into context if I'm having a a scene between two people then I'm like well it would actually make sense if I said this so then I can just like memorize the words that they were saying but then also like I don't know I did a Shakespeare show once and it was really really hard for me to memorize those Shakespeare's lines and I had a ton of them and I was like I will never be able to get through this and with that one I literally had to sit down and just repeat and repeat and repeat I don't know that was really difficult but it was also just I think it really strengthened my memory just to like sit down and keep repeating those same Shakespearean lines that makes sense because it's not quite easily applicable to yeah the like you it didn't have. make sense for me to say those things that I was saying because that's not how people talk and that's not how you kind of have to like decode it as you're memorizing it So before we continue, we do just have another quick message from our sponsors. 
So open since 2015, Elm Coffee Roasters is devoted to high quality coffee that's easy to brew at home and enjoy to drink. At our roastery and cafe in Pioneer Square, Seattle, Elm obsessively roasts small batches of coffee that they source with a focus on sustainable practices that lift up the whole supply chain and protect the future of the coffee plant. Elm's goal is to make a truly exceptional cup of coffee, an experience you look forward to every day. Cafes in Pioneer Square in South Lake Union open now for takeout and soon dine-in service. Please use code PODCAST at elmcoffeeroasters.com for 50% off your next coffee order. So as we move on, we'd kind of like to discuss how accurate your memory actually is. So while most people are convinced that their memories of certain events are entirely accurate, in reality, more than 50% of details actually get changed over a single year. So you basically remember the gist of an event or situation, but not the actual details, even if you think you do. Yeah, that's such a weird fact, especially given that we talked about how big of an influence your memory has on your personality. 50% of those memories aren't even real. Yeah, and like how confident people are when they like retell their story and they know they're like, I was wearing these shoes and like blah, 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 blah. Part of why these memories get scrambled up sometimes is because of the interferences so there's like retroactive interference which is like a tendency of new memories to interfere with the retrieval of old memories and then there's proactive interference which is the tendency of old memories to interfere with the retrieval of new memories the effect of forgetting over your lifetime you get a lot of new information which can like muddy up what you experienced in that moment and then also like all of your old information comes up and muddy muddies up the new information does this make sense yeah yeah one of the things that I've heard is that the more you tell a story the less you remember the actual event because every time you're retelling the story you're just thinking about the last time that you retold the story you're not actually bringing to your head the original story which changes the memory in your head based on yeah based on these new memories that you're forming which is so weird that's so interesting i believe it and then in addition to that you more accurately recall information that you learned in a particular physiological state when you're in that state again which is called state dependent memory so for example um if you meet someone when you're drunk you'll remember them better the next time if you're also drunk as opposed to if you're sober which also applies to the time of day or the mood that you're in when you're happy you'll only remember happy events or when you're sad you'll only remember sad events that's pretty true i feel like if i'm in a rut then i'm only like thinking about all like the shitty things in my life you know but if i'm if i'm in a happy thing then i'm like oh these are all the good things and like remember this time when this happened like it was so good and it's hard to it's hard to remember those good memories when you're sad i guess Yeah, yeah, which is, like, one of the reasons why I feel like reminding yourself, kind of bringing to your head good memories when you get into, like, a really big funk, contradicting the idea that you have in your head that you're always this way or you're always sad. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to force yourself to do that. Like, that's not an instinct. You know, like, your instinct isn't to, like, think about good things. Like, your instinct is to, like, think about how, how you're feeling in the moment. So kind of like, I guess, to summarize that, the most accurate memories are associated with a story, place, and emotion. Memories are attached to something basically that you're already familiar with. Yeah. So 
this idea that we think that our memory is really accurate, but in actuality, it's really only about 50% true, can actually have some negative repercussions in the real world. Specifically, if you think about eyewitness accounts, totally cannot be trusted, and people can really contaminate witnesses with pictures or suggestions. So there's this thing called the misinformation effect, which is basically the wording of the questions that are asked influences your response. When you think about like police questioning victims or eyewitnesses or whatever, if you hear like a smash, a police officer hitting something as they ask you the question, you remember like broken glass, even if there wasn't any. Post-event information has a really powerful effect on your memory. So your memory is actually super flexible and malleable, even though we think it's super accurate. Yeah, that's crazy to think about how like some outside effect can tamper your memory. And there's a lot of real life cases where there's an eyewitness and there's a bunch of people standing in front of that eyewitness. And if the eyewitness thinks that the police want them to choose a certain person or if they are like suggesting that it's this one person or suggesting that this thing happened, that eyewitness will go with what she thinks should be chose. And that's completely, I think, unintentional. So they truly believe to their core that they're picking the right person. But in reality, their memory was just altered by outside effects. There's been these studies where uh, scientists feed a false narrative to the participants of the study. So they basically like tell them, oh, this time you got arrested when you were a teenager. And then they keep on doing that until the person actually believes that they got arrested as a teenager and then they start saying things that they think happened even though this memory is completely false which is crazy how malleable our memories are you can believe something that didn't even happen just again because of like outside sources well, and I think going back to what you said earlier about eyewitness accounts, it's interesting how much your emotions affect your subconscious memory processes. Like I think as, let's just say, a victim of a crime, you're going to want the person who committed the crime to be caught. And so if the police have some sort of inclination to arrest a certain suspect, you're going to feel drawn to do what they want you to do because you want someone to be arrested for the crime or you want someone to pay for what they did. And then without even realizing it, your emotions are affecting your sense of truth, which is so weird. Yeah. So this whole time we have been talking about memory. And I guess me personally, I never think about memory. Like, it's not something that I'm consciously aware of until I forget something, is when you really do think about your memory. But we just take our memory as a thing that is an innate human experience, you know? We take it for granted so much, we, we don't even think about it until we lose it. And then when we lose it, it's a really big deal because memory is such a big part of ourselves. Yeah, that's so interesting because we definitely hold our memory as the entire truth, which, as we've demonstrated, is kind of problematic, but it really isn't, and we really don't think about it, even though it is so subjective and it is so manipulated. But yeah, yeah, but we just kind of take it for granted and we don't question it until we get something wrong. Yeah, that's crazy. And also, we take it for granted until it's deteriorated if you think about as you get older and how your memory deteriorates kind of over time when you get older and then a lot of the times people get dementia or alzheimer's i don't know yeah. if that was the direction you were going in but 
yeah like that's a that's one of the scariest things that you can think of and it's so sad when you like see a loved one go through that because even though they're healthy in a lot of ways if they forget their memory then part of who they are is also gone and part of their ability to function as a human is gone just because of their memory and also you think about people who get in serious accidents and get amnesia or some people just have clinical amnesia and it's devastating it's so i don't know it's so crazy yeah a part of who they are disappears and especially if you think about getting older with memory loss or with dementia or alzheimer's you really regress and you you lose so much when you lose your memory you really you really lose your personality i guess or a big part of it yeah in summary (laughs) (laughs) yeah basically in summary memory is really really important and for all aspects of your life because it kind of is your life (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) so anyway thanks so much for listening to our our rambling this week and thank you so much to our sponsors i'm molly anders and i'm ella torrance and that was dig deeper